Hi, and welcome to the Southern Connecticut Church of Christ podcast. We've provided a collection of sermons, our midweek lessons, music, and many more tools to help you grow in your walk with God. We are living in an unprecedented and challenging time, but we invite you to listen in and be encouraged as we fight through this together. Be sure to subscribe and feel free to share this podcast with your friends and loved ones. Thanks for listening. All right. (laughs) So welcome, everyone. We are so excited to be here with you, um, sharing with you all tonight. Um, Before we jump into chapter four, we thought it'd be a good idea to kind of recap what we've gone over so far. Um, For those of you who are just joining us for the first time, are to just kind of like refresh your memory Mm -hmm. for those of you who have been with us from the very, very beginning. So, and then when I'm done reviewing these chapters and before we move on to chapter four that um, Lali and Florence are gonna do, um, I just wanted some of us to share um, one takeaway from our study of Ruth so far are just how studying Ruth has impacted Mm -hmm. you. And I just think it's so good for our souls to hear the ways God is moving moving in our lives. And it's just so like inspiring and encouraging and like, I mean, I really, really need encouragement, right? I'm sure you do too. So I can't wait to hear all of you, what you're going to share. And, um, you know, for me, the book of Ruth, surprisingly, has been like full of lessons and takeaways about God and his relationship with us. And it really just amazes me how much you can glean mm-hmm. from four <laughs> chapters, yeah. right? Yep. Um, so before we jump in, I asked Terry to pray. So she's going to pray for us. And then we're going to start. So Terry, you can just go ahead and unmute yourself. Sure. Yep. Awesome. Thank you. Okay. Father God in heaven, thank you so much for being our God, for loving us the way that you do, God. I'm so grateful to be your daughter. Um, I'm so grateful for these women that you placed in my life, God. I pray that you will be with us tonight, God, that you will take away any distractions or anything that's um, just been um, hindering us from um, getting closer to you, God, that your words will penetrate our hearts and our minds. Um, that everyone that speaks tonight, God, they speak exactly what you want them to say, God, so that we can be encouraged, edified, God, and built up. And um, I just pray that you will calm our any anxiety or any nerves that we have, um, that you will be with our families, God, that you will um, heal us with anything that needs to be healing, God. Um, mm-hmm. there's, there's so much going on, God. Yeah. Um, I know that you are still God. I know that you are still on your throne, God. I'm so grateful um, that you have a plan for our lives, God. Thank you so much for tonight. Thank you, God, for Ruth, Naomi, God, for Boaz, God. Just thank you for just everything that you have given us, God, and um, especially for your word, God. We need you. We can't do anything without you, God. Bless our time tonight, God. Help us to be pleasing to you um, with our walk with you, God, always. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. 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 Thank Amen. you so much, Terry. So we began our journey, right, in Ruth chapter one, Mm -hmm. and the title of our class was called The Journey, and that was led by Florence. And our journey through Ruth begins, um, I don't know if you remember, it begins in a time of judges where the judges ruled. Um, At that time, the leadership was really tumultuous. It was inconsistent. um, And in those days, everyone just did as they saw fit. But this was also a time where the faith of the Israelites was like was up and down. And on top of that, there was a famine in the land. And so we're introduced to Naomi. She's an Israelite woman um, who's living in Moab at the time. And she tragically loses her husband and her two sons. One of her sons was the husband, um, was the husband of Ruth. 
And Ruth was a Moabitess, and the Moabites were not a people of God, but actually um, an enemy of God. Yes. <laughs> so for Ruth and Naomi, you know, this was a time of mourning, and Ruth decides to cling to her mother-in-law and just go wherever Naomi goes. Yeah. And she's and Naomi decides to go back to her land and her people. Um, but we saw Naomi's bitter. Mm-hmm. She called. She says, "Call me Mara." She believes that God's hand is against her. Um, and that, you know, she has nothing left. And I think we all talked about, we can all relate to her. Right. You know, we felt these same emotions on our journeys as well. Um, especially right now, I feel like many of us are grieving and are scared of our, the future. Right. Um, but despite Naomi's feelings towards God, he still uses her yeah. to redeem his people as we see later on. And from this, we learn that God will use both of our ups and our downs when we feel full and when we feel empty, um, because he always works to his Mm -hmm. glory, no matter what's going on in our lives. And that's just the story of God. God's incredible, gracious hand and his grace is always there, whether the journey is tough, bitter, or good. Um, We all need each other all the while knowing that there is a bigger plan that God has for our lives. Mm -hmm. Then we went on to Ruth chapter two and Lolly and I did that class. It was called the beauty of righteousness. And we began with how Ruth, Ruth, the Moabitess is she's from this foreign land, right? We talked about, but she's following the supernatural hand of God because Ruth was willing to be led by him. Right. And she ends up threshing grain from the field of Boaz, who was a relative of Naomi. And we saw that this, I mean, this was no coincidence. This was God's hand working in her life. And Boaz is just so kind to her because he hears about her kindness to her mother-in-law. And we see here that Boaz is righteous by letting Ruth glean an abundance of grain from his field and how that speaks to the very nature of God and how generous he is to us. Mm -hmm. And lastly, we're still in chapter two, um, verse 20. This was really cool. So right in the middle of that chapter, we saw a chiasm, which Lali explained. Um, that's a literary technique used to organize a story that um, was used in the Bible. And um, in this verse, in verse 20, you know, Naomi says about Boaz, the Lord bless him, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. He has not stopped showing kindness right. to the living and to the dead. She added, that man is our close relative and he is one of our guardian redeemers. And this verse reminded us of our guardian redeemer, right. Jesus, who redeems us from Satan by his blood on the cross. Um, which he did because we're just so vulnerable and loved by him, which is amazing. Yes. And this is just, I mean, this is so much more than a love story between Ruth and Boaz, but between us and God. That's right. And then lastly, in chapter three, that was, Florence did that amazing lesson. It was called Trust, Trust on the Threshing Floor. Um, and Florence does an amazing job just opening up about how important it is to rest in God. Yes. <laughs> I love that point. Um, We also talked about how we need intergenerational sister relationships in our lives, like we see between Naomi um, and Ruth. And this is a relationship that will guide us on the right path through this journey and that we need to fight, really fight to have those relationships in our lives. And then we saw in verse three, because Ruth and Naomi had this, a relationship of trust, Naomi could advise Ruth to lay at the feet of Boaz at the threshing floor to uncover him and expose him while he's sleeping. Mm. And Ruth does this in this faithful obedience Mm. um, to her mother-in-law. But this is a story, this is the story related to the story of the cross, you know, and Jesus 
spreading his garment over us and saying, marry me, be with me. I want a relationship with you. Mm. Yep. And we see the words redeem and return are continuously repeated in Ruth, mm. which communicates to us that we have to return to God to be redeemed, which is the central theme of this, of this chapter. And in conclusion, God wants a relationship with us, a covenant love relationship with us. Mm. And in the meantime, as we live this life, he wants us to wait for him and he wants to teach us how to walk and move forward. Mm. Amen. So I really hope that helped. That was a quick recap, um, mm -hmm. very brief, <laughs> um, but you can easily find it's really cool on our app. We have all the audio from Ruth chapters one, two, and three on in our women's ministry tile. Um, so you could just go over that anytime, anytime you want. But now I really just want to open it up for you guys to discuss briefly just the one takeaway um, from our time with Ruth and how studying that really has um, impacted you. So what we'll do is we'll have you put your names in the chat. I think that's an easier way um, to call on people. And I think I'll call on the first um, three people to share. Mm -hmm. um, and then as I call on, you can just go ahead and unmute yourself. And then after that, Florence and Lolly will dive into chapter four. Mm, amen. So let me bring up this, the chat, take a look. If I can find it, I'm trying to find there it is. <laughs> All right. Um, so is anyone wanting to share? Just, you can just put it in the chat. Don't be shy. <laughs> I can't wait to hear. Awesome. Cheryl, you can go first. All right. So just very briefly, um, Lanisha, that was excellent. What a great recap. Thank you so much for that. And it's beautiful seeing all three of you there. I have to say yeah. it's beautiful. It's yeah, we are. So briefly for me, it's faithfulness during adversity. Mm. You know, the book is entitled Ruth, but I think of Naomi and we, I, I know so many times I've glossed over. She lost her husband mm -hmm. yeah. in a foreign land. She loses both sons. Like right there. I mean, like my heart could stop. Wow. So I just think that God's plans for us. Sometimes do I stop in my tracks when I'm in adversity or do I keep going through adversity wow. um, to be faithful? because God's plans are counting on me to continue to be faithful no matter what happens in life. Wow. So that's what I want to share. That's awesome. Thank you so Thanks, much, Cheryl. Cheryl. Great. That's amazing. Great insight. Um, Maureen, you can share next. No. Oh, oh, sorry. And then, and then Nori. And Curlice. And then, and Curlice. Yep. So we have Maureen. Just go ahead and unmute yourself. Maureen. There we go. <laughs> hey, guys. <laughs> hey. There you go. Um, so when I think about Ruth, I because this is actually a story that I used to go to sleep to because I feel like during the most challenging times, like during COVID and working in the hospital, it was like really I had to hold on to faith so much. And I it just reminds me of like surrender. I think just surrendering to just like God's plan, even though you don't have like you don't really understand it, because I'm just thinking about like my move to Connecticut. I was like, I literally was just like unhappy with it. It was so challenging. And I feel like that challenge and those experiences brought me closer to God. Like I was able, now I see God's hand, like with the whole route of baptism and going back to what Cheryl said, which I thought was just amazing. is just like, 
our faith allows God's plan to come into fruition if we just trust him. Just think that that's amazing. And I also think that you ladies did an amazing job with like the teaching. So thank you so much. Amen. Thanks, Thanks, Maureen. Maureen. Maureen for Thanks, sharing. Maureen. Thank you. All right, Nori. Nori. Um, yeah, so I was just going to share really quickly. I don't really have a whole lot to say. Um, I think the thing that I've noticed the most throughout Ruth is resting in God mm-hmm. and just like trusting his plan. Um, I think just with everything going on in my personal life and just the world in general, that's been a common theme that I've been seeing in a lot of different things I've been studying out. Yeah. Um, it's just learning what it means to rest in God and really trusting in his plan and not getting, I guess, worked up over things that um, I can't control or that I'm trying to control. And God's like, no. Yep. Wow. Yep. That's can, awesome. You can relate to that. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I think we all, I think we all saw oh, that. Yeah. Thanks, Corey. Oh, yep. Um, I guess mine would be quick too, because Cheryl and Nori hit on mine. Mm-hmm. Um, I figured Nori would hit on mine because we've both been like going through the same thing, basically. Um, but yeah, I think mine for my main takeaway with Ruth so far is just the waiting. Mm-hmm. Um, to be very honest, some of you may know I hate waiting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have very little patience. Um, in my head, I'm just like, okay, I see what needs to be done. Okay, so now what's the step of getting it done, making sure that it gets done. Um, But the in-between moment, I'm just like, uh, can we just get there? Mm -hmm. Um, And I see that in like so many areas of my life. Um, And I think it's during this quarantine that like, I feel like God is definitely revealing that to me. Mm -hmm. Um, When I was waiting for months for a job, um, that was like a trying time. Um, and even, uh, I know some of you may know, like we're actually, um, closing on a home actually tomorrow. And that was like, um, uh, and I, I feel like the job was more of a trying time, um, than the home, but even the home of just like waiting, um, because the date got pushed back, but for good reasons. Um, but now it's just like, okay, now I get to bask in the glory of the waiting, Mm-hmm. Um, because we get the home tomorrow. And even just now when I got the job, like a few weeks ago, um, it's like always when I get to the end of the moment that I'm just like, okay, God, now I know why you had me wait. Yes. Um, and then it makes me like just grateful for the waiting season even more. Mm-hmm. Amen. That's so, awesome, Chris. Wow. That's great. Thank you so Thank much. You yeah. All right. Well, let's go ahead and um, we're going to dive into chapter four, guys. There's some really neat treasures there. I'm, I'm super excited about it. So um, I can't wait to see uh, if you see some of the things that I saw. So we're going to go ahead and start reading. So look in chapter four. We're going to read one through six. It says, meanwhile, Boaz went up to the town gate and sat there. When the kinsman redeemer he had mentioned came along, Boaz said, come over here, my friend, and sit down. So he went over and he sat down. Boaz took 10 of the elders of the town and said, sit here. And they did so. Then he said to the kinsman redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from Moab, is selling the piece of land that belonged to our brother Elimelech. I thought I should bring the matter to your attention and suggest that you buy it in the presence of these seated here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, do so. But if you will not, tell me so I will know, for no one has the right to do it except you, and I am next in line. I will redeem it, he said. 
Then Boaz said, on the day you buy the land from Naomi and from Ruth the Moabitess, you acquire the dead man's widow in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property. At this, the kinsman redeemer said, then I cannot redeem it because I might endanger my own estate. You redeem it yourself. I cannot do it. So this is so interesting. I was, I loved, you know, looking into this and figuring out, okay, what does God want us to see? Uh, What do we have here in this scene? You know, it starts with Boaz, you know, going to the gate of his city. And I made me think, why the gate? Well, because Boaz knew that the gate was where all the important transactions took place. And that's where the wise elders would be to help him with this important transaction. And, you know, of who would become the kinsman redeemer and take Ruth as their wife. And this was a big, a big deal. So Boaz's wisdom stands out to me here. He tells the situation and he's completely upfront about everything. He has the witnesses and he wants to do this right. He he doesn't want to just get his way. He wants to really do it right. So the next in line, the next of kin before Boaz says yes. And he says it pretty quickly. But when Ruth is mentioned, all of a sudden he quickly changes his mind. So what changed? Why was there a shift? You know, in, in the version I just read, it says, I might endanger my own estate. Another version, it says, lest I impair my own inheritance. So what and who is this guy thinking about? It could be he doesn't want to take the chance because now the deal is much more of a sacrifice. He would probably have children with Ruth and then he's going to have to split the inheritance with more people, you know, or maybe he just didn't want to have anything to do with a Moabitess, you know, and if you notice the writer over and over again calls Ruth, Ruth the Moabitess. It's not usually just Ruth. And there's a reason for that emphasis because I think the writer wanted us to see how unusual it was that there was a Moabitess that God was using in this story. And maybe this guy did not want to be connected to a, fo- a foreigner, especially a Moabite. Mm-hmm. The fortunate thing for this guy is that, you know, he was given an out by Boaz because Boaz said, if you don't do it, I will. Because otherwise this man would have been put to shame if he didn't marry Ruth and take the property because he would have not been building up the family line. And if you go look at uh, Deuteronomy chapter 25, it's a very interesting chapter. Go back and look at it. But basically his family would have been labeled and shamed and they would have been labeled the family of the unsandaled and they would have been looked down upon. So Boaz here, I believe, shows us an amazing part of God's character, which is Mm self-sacrifice. Boaz isn't concerned with being, you know, with it being a good deal, deal or, you know, a personal gain. Instead, his heart is to honor the family, to honor Elimelech, to honor Naomi, to honor Ruth, and to ultimately honor God. You know, and Boaz was ready to not be the kinsman redeemer uh, for the sake of the family. He was willing to sacrifice what he wanted. And I personally think he really wanted Ruth. Uh, I think he saw a, a kindred spirit in her. He saw God's heart in an outsider. You know, and Ruth had sacrificed for the sake of the family line. She had sacrificed really everything, as we spoke about when we did chapter one. And Boaz now is ready to do the same thing. You know, and of course, we know that God himself sacrificed for the family line Mm -hmm. with sending Jesus and letting him die for us. And, you know, that's why I believe it made me think now, that's why Jesus taught 
to deny self as a major quality of a disciple, because mm. that is the heart of God, yeah. self-sacrifice. Wow. You know, God wants us to imitate this heart of sacrifice. You know, God has been saying from the beginning that the family of God, the alternate community, like Jeff spoke about on Sunday, is over self, mm-hmm. over self. He wants to know that we will deny ourselves for each other and for his kingdom. Amen. So now Lolly's going to share a few things that are on her heart. Yeah. The thought of imitating Jesus's sacrificial heart, it's, that is so challenging and it's mm-hmm. not natural at all. I am naturally very selfish. I hate to say that, but growing up in foster care, there were very few things that belonged to me and the things I did own, they all fit in a black garbage bag. And, um, what I had, I, I feared that I would lose it, that it would be taken away from me. So I was very possessive. And as an adult, it continued. Mm-hmm. I worked very hard for what I had, my education, my home, my car, my belongings. And unfortunately, I made an idol out of my mm-hmm. stuff. And even more, I made an idol out of my own comfort. I saw them as solely mine, and my time was very precious to me. Mm-hmm. And I didn't do anything unless I received some sort of benefit. Um, my life was not marked by sacrifice. And being a disciple and in the ministry has revealed that how far I let this go on for. Mm-hmm. But the Lord has slowly been transforming my heart mm-hmm. to understand what I have is from him and yeah. ultimately for the kingdom. My life is not my own and neither are my possessions or my talents. My apartment is God's, my car is God's, and even my time is all his. Right. I've learned to, and I mean, even naming these things is kind of embarrassing because I mean, in, in light of the cross, I mean, they're nothing, but I've learned to sacrifice my sleep by waking up a little bit earlier to pick up campus girls or driving out of my way to give people rides mm-hmm. for church or to attend studies, um, having people over and making meals. You know, my food is their food, participating in meal trains and calling people up during quarantine and giving to missions. You know, sacrifice is a daily struggle, but it is rewarding. Yep. You know, I think of that scripture in John 12, 24 and 25. It says, very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. Yeah. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Mm. By dying to myself and sacrificing, we can produce fruit. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Our sacrifice is not in vain. And what's most sobering is the fact that I can never sacrifice as much as Jesus did. Right. You know, in Philippians 2, we all know this one, 3 to 8, it says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above ourselves, not looking for our own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. Right. In your relationship for one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, right. who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Mm-hmm. Rather, he made himself nothing right. by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even yeah. death on a cross. Yeah. You know, it says Jesus made himself nothing. And like Boaz, who did not benefit from redeeming Ruth, right. Jesus did not benefit from dying on the cross. Mm. It was a sacrifice out of pure love. And he is our example. Mm. That is awesome, That's Lolly. <laughs> I'm so proud of you. She's really grown and changed so much. Mm-hmm. And um, I love the statement where she said, I, you know, I can never sacrifice as much as mm. Jesus you know, that's something that we all need to like meditate on, you know, what Jesus did for us. Anything we do just pales in comparison, but here's some things to to meditate on to just let's, let's think about this. You know, what sacrifices do we need to make for the sake of the family of God? 
what do we need to do to deny ourselves for the family? You know, how can I build up God's family over mm. self? You know, where can I serve? Where can I sacrifice? Is it leadership? Is it the diversity squad? Is it with the teenagers? Is it with the children, the preteens, serving the poor, uh, building up God's family in your area, um, sacrificing more for mm -hmm. missions, studying the scriptures with our friends and, and sacrificing our time and our energy? You know, we need to always keep eternity in mind. And then the sacrifice feels like nothing. Mm -hmm. You know, God's bigger plan for all of us. That scripture that Lolly read is one of my favorite. It was one of the scriptures that actually caused me to really think about going into the ministry where it says in John 12, a kernel of wheat must die to produce many seeds. And as each of us really sacrifices and dies to ourselves, so many seeds will be planted. Mm -hmm. So let's keep reading. There's even more. Let's go on in chapter four and we're going to see what else we have to see here. We're going to read seven through 12. It says, now in earlier times in Israel for the redemption and transfer of property to become final, one party took off his sandal and gave it to the other. This was the method of legalizing transactions in Israel. So the kinsman redeemer said to Boaz, buy it yourself and he removed his sandal. Then Boaz announced to the elders and all the people, today you are witnesses that I have bought from Naomi all the property of Elimelech, Kilion and Malon. I have also acquired Ruth the Moabitess Malon's widow as my wife in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property so that his name will not disappear from among his family or from the town records. Today you are witnesses. Then the elders and all those at the gate said, we are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the house of Israel. May you have standing in Epirthah and be famous in, in Bethlehem. Through the offspring the Lord gives you by this young woman, may your family be like that of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah. Wow. Okay, there's a lot there, guys, all right? So let me jump into this. So the first part we saw, you know, the character of God was self-sacrifice. Uh, this second section, to me, the thing that stood out is the word significance, wow. that we're going to see how each of us is significant and how each person that God used in this, in this book was significant. Mm -hmm. But first we see this whole sandal transaction taking place, very dramatic. Mm -hmm. uh, I would have really loved to have watched this. You know, wouldn't it be interesting if every time we want to settle something, we took oh, off sure. our shoe, you know, come here, here, Lamisha, yeah. you know. Um, anyway, it would make you want to keep your shoes clean, I guess. But anyway, uh, Boaz <laughs> mentions that he doesn't want Elimelech's name in verse 10. He doesn't want Elimelech's name to disappear. So that shows us Boaz's heart. His heart was, I really want to fight for the family. But then it's interesting because we see three women's names mentioned, Rachel, Leah, and Tamar. So what is the message here? Why bring them up? In the middle of nowhere, all of a sudden it's like, okay, Rachel, Leah, and Tamar. You know, women aren't usually mentioned in the genealogy. So whenever a woman's name pops up like that, um, it's for a reason. I believe the writer wants us to stop and take notice. So what is the significance? Okay, first, let's talk about Rachel and Leah. And this is going to be good homework for you to go back and look at and maybe your times with God. But, you know, for, for sake of time, I'm going to, you know, summarize this. But 
Uh, these two sisters had a tumultuous relationship and they shared the so same husband. So you can only imagine, this is like, you know, one of these girl flicks that a lot of drama there, all right? Uh, too much to go into. So you need to go back and uh, read it. But God used them to build up Israel by their children becoming the 12 tribes of Israel. God used these two women to raise up the future leaders for his people. You know, something I thought about is we don't have to have physical children to do that. God used these two women's children, but God can use us and, and help us to build up God's family, even though we don't have children, because we can all bring up and inspire the next generation to build God's church. So think about that. How are we doing that? How are we raising up that next generation? So how about Tamar? Uh, again, good homework. Uh, go back and study at uh, Genesis 38. You need to go back and read it. It's another crazy film that we could do. Uh, she has a pretty crazy story. In short, uh, Tamar's husband dies because he was evil. And her kinsman redeemer is her husband's brother. And then God has him die because he is evil. And then her father-in-law, Judah, one of Leah's sons, asks her to wait for the younger son to become the kinsman redeemer. So she waits. But she then realizes that her father-in-law hasn't followed through and has forgotten about her. So here comes the really crazy part of this, of this movie. She pretends to be a prostitute and she sleeps with Judah and she gets pregnant. Ultimately, she confronts Judah with this, right? Now, why is this important? This is good. We have to figure that out. So she confronts Judah and Tamar says, uh, she, Tamar is more, she, he says to Tamar, you are more righteous than I, since I wouldn't give uh, my youngest son to you. She protected the family line, a very interesting way, but she protected the family line. So what's the point? You have to ask yourself in the scriptures here, why is this mentioned? Why is the writer bringing this up? Because she chose the family line over self. And God in his mercy ends up using her son to be the great, 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 great grandfather mm -hmm. of Boaz. Wow. I mean, God had a plan. Another wow. woman that God used to keep the family line ultimately down to Jesus. Wow. So her choice, her decision to make, made an impact in ways she would have never known at that time. Women, the significance of our lives extends beyond our lifetime. That's what I saw. That's what I believe God wants us to see. Your life is so significant and you really have no idea. And you know what? We will maybe be all sitting in heaven when the fourth generation down from us is doing amazing things to God, for God, because we sacrificed and because we lived by faith and believed that God had a plan. So God's plan will always prevail. He decides how he will use us. Our part is just to live by faith, to sacrifice ourselves for him, and to trust that when we seek him first in his kingdom, he will use us and we will be significant. Mm -hmm. And so now Lolly's going to share about how what this really means personally for her. Yeah. Yeah. Something I love about being in the campus ministry is studying the Bible with men, women. And if we think about it, the fact that God doesn't need us, you know, to study the Bible with people, to teach people, but he allows us the privilege and the honor to teach people truth. 
And I think God does it to encourage us and to witness a person's transformation. Mm -hmm. Um, And we can make an eternal impact by doing that. We can make heaven more crowded, Mm -hmm. us mere humans. Mm -hmm. You know, the scripture I thought of was Ephesians 2, um, verse 10. It says, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We have purpose, good works to participate in. That's amazing. And and who are we? Mm -hmm. You know, when we think of the story of Ruth, she was a Moabite, a group that wasn't highly favored at the time. And thinking about me, you know, the the fact that I can study the Bible with women, I'm a person of color, I'm a woman, I'm from the hood, I'm from Bridgeport, (laughs) I'm young, you know, this is, I'm a category that the world wants to overlook, but people don't, people don't think I'm going to amount to anything, right? But in a, but in a worldly sense, I'm, you know, I probably won't, but in a heavenly sense, I am valuable. You know, Matthew 10, 29 to 31, this is a scripture that I love so much because this is um, what God thinks about us. It says, are not two sparrows sold for a penny and not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father, but even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore you are you are of more value than many sparrows. Mm-hmm. As a campus minister, the Lord is using me to impact the lives of these young women from all across the U.S. that come to Connecticut. That, that's amazing. And, and not just their lives, but hopefully the lives of their families right. and their children and God willing, something that will span lifetimes. Yeah. And we all can play a similar role. We are all significant. Yes. Amen. Awesome. Wow, Thank great. you, Lolly, for sharing that. Um, Wow. We are all significant, and I think that's an important message for all of us to, to not only know in our heads, but to really feel in our hearts. Um, but let's keep going, because there's more. Go back to chapter four, and we're going to finish it up here with this. We're going to end with these verses. Uh, we're going to read 13 uh, through the end. It says, so Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. Then he went to her, and the Lord enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth to a son. The women said to Naomi, praise be to the Lord, who this day has not left you without a kinsman redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons has given him birth. Then Naomi took the child, laid him in her lap and cared for him. The woman living there said, Naomi has a son and they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse the father of David. This then is the family line of Perez. Perez was the father of Hezron, Hezron the father of Ram, Ram the father of Amenadab, Amenadab the father of Nashon, Nashon the father of Salmon, Salmon the father of Boaz, Boaz the father of Obed, and Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of David. Wow, incredible. Um, you know, all the women, it's very interesting. I love 14, the verses 14 and 15. It says, all the women saw what God had done. They all saw it. It was so clear that God was working in this situation. It wasn't about Naomi and Ruth. It was God. He had protected them both. And he's, and it's, they, they say he has not left you without, and that he will be your restorer of life, nourisher of old age. Um, And they're referring to this baby, but we all know that that is God. And in verse 17, it's so cool because it says, I think in the version in our little purple books, the ESV, it says the women of the neighborhood gave him a name. I love they all chimed in. I like to think of it that they were all having like a contest, you know, like what should we name this guy? I don't know why Obed won, but, um, 
Anyway, they were, they all named him because they all saw that God um, was blessing uh, Ruth, but also that he, like Cheryl mentioned earlier, that gave Naomi a grandson after losing both of her sons. You know, here's a woman that had been through such tragedy and God gives her a special gift. You know, God is in all the details. That's what I see. God sees everything. He sees our pain, our hurts, our desires. God is so good. He is so kind. He's patient, purposeful. He's self-sacrificing and he is faithful to his promises. God will never leave us without. He will always provide what he thinks is best and when he thinks it's best. And he's given us all a restore of, of our life in Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, and God planned that a long time ago that he would always use this family to do that. So I want you to look at a, a prophecy in the Old Testament. You can look over to Micah chapter five. I'll give you a few minutes to get there because it's a really cool scripture in the Old Testament. In Micah five verses two through four, two through four is a prophecy that was from 700 years before the birth of Jesus. And it, and it reads, but you Bethlehem Ephrathah, which is the town we're, we're talking about that we're in, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will rule over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. This is a prophecy about Jesus. And he had this plan from a long time ago that he would use this town of Bethlehem, not only for this story that we're reading, but ultimately for that, that would be where Jesus would be born. God has a significant plan for all of us. You know, he blessed all three of them and all three of them were blessed to to point to God, not to really point to them, Mm -hmm. you know, and he blessed a nation through all of them, through all the generations down to, to us, down to you and me so that we could have Jesus, you know, through their lineage and because of their desire for the family line over self because of their sacrifices, they became a significant part of God's plan for salvation in Jesus. You know, the same is true for you and me. You know, God will use us when we live by faith for that family line of God, God's community, that alternative community over ourselves. And, you know, we can only imagine how that will impact generations to come. That's something I dream about a lot. I really wish that I, I know I'll see it. I'm going to be in heaven. I won't still be here. I'd be very old to see my granddaughter's children become disciples. But that is my dream, that my faith will impact generations to come. There are many Naomi's around us right now. Women, you know, there's women that are suffering, that are going through tragedy right now, that are grieving that feel hopeless, and they need to know there's a God. They need roots. We we can let women know that they are seen and support them, and, and like Ruth did for Naomi. But there also, there's other Ruths out there, women that right now are outside of God's family. They're outside of the kingdom. Women that don't have a personal relationship with God, but they have the heart of God. And they want to do what's right. So let's help them into the family. Let's teach them God's way and show them, you know, the kindness of God, just like Boaz did for Ruth. And for the Boazes in our lives, because it's been really neat to see Boaz's character. What an incredible man, Mm -hmm. you know, and for the Boazes in our lives, you know, the men of wisdom, the men of integrity, the faithful men of God, whether it's your spouse, 
or it's one of the men in the church that has influenced you, let's encourage them. Let's thank them. Let's partner with them. Let's hold up their arms so that they can honor God with this as well. So the message that I see here is that you and I are significant in the eyes of God. We are seen. Whether the world sees us or not, it does not matter because we are seen by God and he wants to use us in his greater plan. And he will bless us if we sacrifice for him and his family. You know, honestly, I am so sad. I really wish there was a chapter five <laughs> because we've come to the end of this book study. Yeah. Um, but, you know, our prayer is that it has helped you dig deeper in the scriptures mm -hmm. and to learn even how to do that if you needed to learn that. Uh, we also hope that you've learned so much more about God and you're ready to share that with more people. Um, I really, I, I can't thank you enough for joining in and doing this, you know, all together and getting the books and talking. Um, but now we're gonna, we're gonna end our study. It is, it's sad, no, I don't wanna end I don't it. Break um, but we're gonna go ahead and we're gonna, we're gonna um, go into our random discussion groups. And, and remember to uh, start off those groups by sharing one char characteristic of God that you've learned from this study of Ruth that you're really planning to work on. Um, and then we, we have two discussion questions and this is all on the mm -hmm. app, right? Yep. Uh -huh. If you go on the app on the women's ministry tile, we've put the discussions. As soon as you open it. Yeah, as soon as you mm -hmm. open it, you're gonna see uh, midweek notes, okay? And on there, um, it'll be notes from tonight's class. We're getting really savvy here. This is, this is a Pat Genova mm -hmm. move. Uh, <laughs> but we have two discussion questions. So I'll tell you them just in case you wanna jot them down, but they are on the app. Mm -hmm. How can you grow in being sacrificial? Denying self for the family of God and what will help you? And then secondly, do you know you're seen by God? Do you see your significance? How do you want God to use you? Okay, so those are on the app. Um, I can so also so, put it in the chat. Okay, yeah. let me show you can put it in the chat too. Um, but we're going to leave the rooms open until about 9.15. All right, so let's go and have some awesome discussions. Love you, sisters. Love you guys so Love much. Love you. Bye. You guys can go you ahead enjoy. and unmute yourselves. Yeah, you can unmute and then we'll go ahead and get those random groups started. This has been an episode of the Southern Connecticut Church of Christ podcast. Please subscribe so you can keep up to date with the latest podcast.